You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Good morning, everyone. So good to be worshiping with you all. My name is Natalie. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard. I also want to welcome everyone on the live stream as well. I'm so glad that we have a way for you to be part of our service this morning as well. Well, I'm going to be continuing the series that Jeff kicked off last week, The Best Sermon Ever, in a message that I've titled, Hashtag Blessed. The hashtag on social media has taken the internet by storm and created a new way of communicating. You can now post a picture on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and whatever you write after the hashtag, it like categorizes it automatically um, with everything else in that same kind of genre and that kind of thing. If you're on social media, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so you can hashtag sports. You can see all sorts of sports that come up. You can hashtag Beyonce. You can hashtag tacos. You can hashtag best picture ever. And all of these things will get categorized. And since we're talking about the Beatitudes or living the blessed life, you can hashtag any picture with the word blessed. You should see some of the the posts that I found online. We're going to put them up on the screen. You can put the first one up. Another beautiful day. A lot of emojis, hashtag blessings, hashtag blessed. The next one, it says, a day at the beach restores the soul. Hashtag blessed. Sunshine, sunburn, and so on. Hashtag blessed. I'm all in for these tacos. Hashtag blessed. This is the last one. I only bought it for those next level massage seats. M-B-G-L-E coop, hashtag blessed. (laughs) People online also love sarcasm, um, and so you can always find hashtag blessed being used in some really comical ways too. Something like, I'm going to the DMV, hashtag blessed, or just got COVID, hashtag blessed, Um, hit every red light on my way into work and was already late, hashtag blessed, right? Like the sarcasm, you can hear it. I think we can all agree that something has changed between how the Bible uses the word blessed and how we use that word today. In today's world, hashtag blessed is often used in a relationship or for a temporary satisfaction like a great meal or vacation. Somehow in the last 20 years, blessed has leaned toward convenience, comfort, and consumerism. And it's not like these things are bad, right? Those things can feel like blessings. They can feel like part of an enjoyable and full life. But as we see in in the scriptures, and particularly what we see in the words of Jesus, hashtag blessed might look a little bit different for Christians. Let's take a look at Matthew 5, 3 through 10, and allow Jesus to redefine the word blessed this morning. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a great passage. If you've never heard this before, it's called the Beatitudes, and it's this beautifully poetic way that Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount. Now, most sermons and most messages on the Beatitudes kind of jump right into personal application and how does that apply to me, and we will get to that. We'll definitely talk about that and how this scripture applies to your life. But before we can do that, we actually need to lift our eyes to Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Christ. If we're going to talk about the blessed life, then as Christians, we need to look to our Savior because Jesus lived the blessed life. Only one man has lived out the Beatitudes perfectly. Jesus exemplified every single thing from that list. So let's work our way through Scripture again and focus on, focusing on Jesus because we're not talking about the hashtag blessed life according to the world. We're talking about the blessed life in the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. As Jeff mentioned last week, this is where it all starts. But it started for Jesus in the same exact space. Jesus left heaven, he came to earth, living with a poverty of spirit. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And he never acted on his own accord. Jesus lived this radically humble life, being fully God, but living in the flesh. It all starts here because Christ was poor in spirit, and it's all his kingdom. Then it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Many of us know about Palm Sunday right before Easter, for, and, and um, we know about, like, as they were entering, there's this triumphal entry into the kingdom that Jesus is entering into, and everyone was celebrating Jesus as the Messiah. They were waving palm branches back and forth, but the very next paragraph in Luke 19 is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Because he's no, he knows he's the, about to be rejected. It was this triumphal entry mixed with tears. And this was the life of Jesus. A life of victory and mourning all wrapped up in one. Or think about the Garden of the Gethsemane, the last night, his last night on earth. He was crying out to God in the garden. His friends had fallen asleep on him. And he's feeling so much weight and so much pressure about, to the, about the cross before him, and he's even sweating blood in those moments. He is mourning, and God comforts him. In Luke 22, God sent an angel to come and comfort him and strengthen him in the midst of mourning. Next, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus is the king of the universe and everything in it, but, it, but he was full of meekness. Now, we don't have a great translation of meekness, but one of the best definitions that I've heard is power under control. It's not that he was powerless. He was the God in flesh. He was God in flesh, and at any given moment, he could have, like, knocked everyone into submission, and he didn't. Instead, he humbly walked the earth, washing the disciples' feet, constantly laying his life down for another and showing us how to live lives of service to those around us, one person at a time. He also hungered and thirsted for righteousness all the way to the cross. He is merciful, pure in heart, the ultimate peacemaker. And of course, 
He was persecuted because of his righteousness. He was betrayed, arrested, beaten, hung on the cross. He was humiliated, and he took on the sin of the world and died in our place. And this is important to mention because the Beatitudes finished with the same phrase that they started with. Blessed are those who are persecuted because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we're going to look at the Beatitudes, if we are going to study the Sermon on the Mount, we always have to start with the person of Jesus because he lived every line perfectly. As Jeff said last week, he also demonstrates that he is the hero in this passage. He also represents the glory as well. And it comes in this passage, and he, he lived it out perfectly. He received the kingdom, and now it's his to give. When in doubt, I'll always start with Jesus. Whenever you're reading scripture, this is where we have to start. The Beatitudes are beautiful, but the greatest impact or most significance is found when we realize that Jesus did it all. Once your eyes are fixed on him, you can begin to apply this passage to your own life. And this is something that each and every one of us can do. Jesus wants the same promise and blessing for all of his followers. And so we can read this passage knowing that this is my promise and that this is yours also. You're called to the blessed life. As his followers, this is our calling. This is the way that we are supposed to live. There's... There's a stark contrast when we're looking at human flourishing versus biblical flourishing, but this is the blessed life that we are all called to. My role as one of the pastors of, the, of this church and our role as a community of believers is not to help you live out this hashtag blessed life per social media, but a blessed life in the kingdom. This is why I teach emotionally healthy discipleship in the fall and in the spring. If you haven't worked on your emotional health, might I recommend it? Your baggage and your stuff that you carry with you, because yes, we all have that, right? We all have it, can impact you emotionally, but also spiritually. In the past couple of years at our church alone, we've had about 50 people go through different emotional health courses that we've offered, and they have been so impactful. If you are interested in this class at all, uh, I would love to connect with you. In the sermon notes, you can go to in, on votrweekly.org. My email is there. Please email me, and I would love to, to share more information with you about that. So think, think about it this way. How are you going to be meek? It's going to be really hard to live with power under control if you haven't gotten enough healing to not always have to like power up. How are you ever going to go from mourning to comfort if you've never navigated your deepest pains? How can you grow in purity of heart or the desire to be a peacemaker if you have obstacles from your past or your daily life that keep you from living the blessed life? We can never forget that Jesus lived these perfectly, but this is our calling too. This is, this is also for all of us. Think about the promises or the, the testimony to the world around us. Imagine your personal or family life, or imagine the city if we all lived out the Beatitudes. We've already read them, but I want to fill the screen behind me with all of the promises and as I read the scripture and, and trust that this is God's blessing for you. The promises are like the second part. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. 
All right. Yours is the kingdom. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You'll be filled. You'll be shown mercy. You'll see God and be called a child of God. Then one last time, yours is the kingdom. We need those promises. That is the hashtag blessed life we all want and need, but the journey toward blessing isn't always what we think. Remember Jesus. He emptied himself to be fully dependent on his Father. Poor in spirit, he mourned and he cried out. He didn't hide his emotions as if he was some strong-willed, emotionless leader. When he was denied by Peter, he, he showed him mercy. He forgave him. He hungered for righteousness and lived with purity in heart even when he was the only one standing for truth. The journey to blessing often includes struggle. One of my own personal stories is about a time when I really needed to be comforted. I will never forget it. Good Friday, the year of 2011. This was the day that at 13 weeks pregnant, I miscarried. Jeff and I were in shock. We were heartbroken after we lost our first child, after a year and a half of trying. We knew we needed to go to the Good Friday service this day. Um, there we, it was six hours before, and we were in the doctor's office trying to find a heartbeat, and it was not there. We were just taken aback. We, we sat back, and we just wept. We were mourning our last, right? <laughs> then we went to the Good Friday service, and the death of Jesus never felt so real. As we were in the back, just like sobbing, we had some people comfort us. We needed to be comforted in a huge way. And as much as his death never felt so real, his presence was just so near. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In different seasons, we're all going to have moments of loss. But when you experience loss, do you allow yourself to grieve? Do you allow yourself to mourn? In that moment, I did not, I did not want to talk about the miscarriage. There's nothing in me that wanted to bring other people into that place of receiving comfort. But I had to. I had to share with others in order to mourn that loss. And that's my own personal story of mourning, my own personal story where Jesus, he was the hero, a story where he comforted me, and I had hope in him, in his promises for me and his comfort for me. And I haven't, I haven't forgotten about those painful things, but I've learned to live and walk through seasons of mourning with him and with my community instead of trying to ignore those painful feelings. My story is about receiving the promise of comfort when I was mourning. But there's also a lot of promises on that list, right? You might not be mourning right now. You might need a different promise. So I want to, let's look at the list again. Is there anything that you need that you're not getting? Yours is the kingdom. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You will be filled. You will be shown mercy. You will see God. 
You will be called a child of God. Yours is the kingdom. If you need to be comforted, you might need to mourn. If you need mercy, you might need to give that away. If you're feeling empty, the promise is that you can be filled. The kingdom lifestyle is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you ache? Do you desperately want more? There's a, there's a lot of ways to be filled. Obviously, gathering on a Sunday morning is a part of that. Your own personal time with Jesus is a part of that. Small groups are a part of that. So are our special nights of worship and ministry. On Sunday, June 26th, we're hosting one at the church and a night of worship where you can, for an extended time, we will worship, we'll seek the kingdom together longer than we do on a Sunday morning. Nights of worship are a great place to experience God because they're a night where we can all express our poverty of spirit and our desire for the kingdom. This is where we recognize that we need a savior. And I don't just mean the beginning of our salvation. I mean the fact that we need a savior every single day. Some of us need to give our lives to Christ for the first time today. But others of us need to realize that it's a daily dependence that we're seeking. And being poor in spirit reminds us that you need a savior for the blessed life. You'll fail. And you can't live it perfectly like Jesus did. But thankfully, we have him, right? We have the one who lived this life perfectly. I know that I have problems, and I know that I am not the only one. You have problems too, but here's the good news. Here's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The weight of the world is not on your shoulders. It's on his. The weight of the world is on the one who lived the Beatitudes perfectly. As you go through life, cling to the cross. Cling to Jesus because he's the only one that could bear the weight of all of our sin. When I realized the weight of the world, the weight of this church, or the weight of raising my kids wasn't solely placed on my shoulders, but the burden had already been placed on Christ, I felt freedom. I felt free to make mistakes. I felt free to try new things to share my pain or to take big risks because I knew that I could always go back to the cross. I could always go to the one who paid the price in full, who completed all of the work and took all my small efforts to change the world and magnify them for the kingdom. My work is good and your work is valuable and good and even needed, but it's incomplete without the power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. It's important that you hear this. You are not the savior of your family. You're not the savior of this church, your workplace, your neighborhood, or any other burden that you feel. And now hearing it is one thing, I get that, but it's another thing for you to practice it. And because of that, I want to get really practical for just a moment and tell you how I do this, how I live free from the weight of this world and cling to the cross. If my kids get wounded um, emotionally or physically, or if I'm meeting with someone who's in a tough place, I can be tempted to overfunction and try to fix all their problems, or even try to take on their emotions, right? I can be, and, but I can't. And 
it, and it becomes really important for me to present their pain to the Lord so that I don't overstep my bounds and try to become their savior. So after I have meetings, I almost always try to take time to pray. And in these prayers, I imagine myself standing before the cross. Jesus is there on the cross bearing the weight of the world. And in, this, in these situations, I have to come and lay that down before him. I literally present that person or that situation to the Lord. I cannot be Jesus for them. So I imagine walking that person so close to the cross that they are in the shadow of it. And I ask Jesus to take it and I lay it all down. I leave it there. I can't be Jesus for my kids. I cannot be their savior. I love my kids and I want to minister to my children, but I can't give them the kingdom. And if I try, I'll begin to carry a weight that was never mine to carry. By going to the cross, I humbly come to the Lord and he takes the weight off my shoulders, helping me to walk freely again. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't care. It doesn't mean I don't share the burdens of others or anything like that. I deeply care. I just know that I am only a pastor and Jesus is king. Anytime you try to take the place of Jesus, you are glorifying yourself and diminishing the power of the cross. If you feel like you own a disproportionate amount of weight that only Jesus can, bear, can, he can bear. I want, you, I want to encourage you to create space in your life to practice that discipline of leaving these things at the cross, laying down the burdens that you hold that weigh you down. As I close, let's circle, circle back around to the Beatitudes and the idea of living a blessed life. We don't want to be a church, and I don't want to be a pastor that only focuses on the awesome blessings and the awesome promises to you and to me. I also don't want to be a church or a pastor that, that only talks about the hard things. The reality is that we have both blessing or promise, but also pain and struggle. And this is the life in the kingdom. I have a quote from a great book that I just read. I'd highly recommend it. It's called Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren. She is an Anglican priest and a writer for the New York Times. She's also a deep friend of the Vineyard Church. If, if you're looking for a great podcast, she's on the We Are Vineyard podcast, which is hosted by Vineyard USA's president. Uh, you should definitely subscribe to that. It's the We Are Vineyard podcast. Here's what Tish wrote. The word blessed is cheapened in our day. We are hashtag blessed by a new car or an expensive purse, or perhaps by a job promotion, a marriage, or the birth of a new baby. These are blessings for which we are grateful. But how do any of these help us when we're dying? Death reveals the futility of much of what we chase in life. It exposes any anemic understanding of blessing. In Scripture, the word blessed is used to describe those who are poor, who mourn, hunger, risk peace, or are persecuted. Pain is a part of the human condition, and we have a Savior who meets our pain and comforts our loss. This is how we experience the true meaning of being blessed. As we prepare for our time of reflection, let me read the Beatitudes one last time. Matthew 5, 3 through 10. 
Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray.